Welcome back to the Relax Running Podcast. Tyson Popplestone here. If you're watching, you already knew that. If you're listening, or maybe you know my voice by now. I'm not sure. I don't know how often you listen to this thing, but nonetheless, good to have you guys here. I hope you've had a good week of training. I, uh, I can't believe it's Friday already. This week's sort of just flown by. Um, I've been good down this way. I've done a couple of runs, had a couple of a couple of little gym sessions going on, and uh, yeah, I'm at the end of the week feeling pretty fit and healthy. Um, hope you're in the same boat. It's been good uh, getting the chance to chat to a couple of you. It's nice. Some people every now and then who listen to the podcast, maybe you've been listening for a year, uh, they stop by, say g'day on the uh, on the Instagram inbox. So hello to all of you. I hope I've responded to all your messages because I'm a little bit slack on Instagram sometimes. Anyone who knows me well knows that's true. So if you've sent me a message and I, I haven't responded yet, I'm sorry, it's not because I don't love you. It's just because... You know, so I would have been a better friend in 1995 before social media was a really big part of our day-to-day lives. So uh, come by, say hello, let me know what it is you're training for, let me know which your favourite episodes are, let me know if there's anyone in particular you would like to hear from on here because uh, it's always nice just to, it's nice to reach out to other people. I like doing these individual episodes sometimes and reflecting on a sport that I love and, and trying to take a few nuggets of wisdom from the sport and apply it to not only my own running but but hopefully to yours as well. Uh, but I also love that balance between just being able to catch up with athletes and, and those associated with the sport to to try and just boil down some success hints, uh, a couple of little cues that are going to help our running performance improve. And I was actually, I was having a conversation with a, with a friend of mine the other day and uh, that was actually the inspiration for this podcast. We were just talking about how it's interesting that there's so many factors from uh, international level athletes, both men and women, which you can you can see pretty closely, uh, you know, between men and women of, of of really an elite standard. So I don't know if that made sense. I was essentially trying to say that there's a there's a number of qualities that elite performers have that I think we can glean. Uh, some insight for our own running and, and that's what I wanted to spend a little bit of time doing today because I think when you I actually I was spending a little bit of time brainstorming this one and writing out some ideas and having a look at a number of athletes that I really respect who I'll, I'll go over in this podcast in a little more detail and I think when you look at these athletes you go oh, it's amazing that there's such a correlation between uh, you know whether it's personality or, or other running factors and and performance so my goal here through the Relax Running Podcast is obviously to equip you guys with tools to, to to make you run faster for longer, regardless of the sport that you're in. I started this for distance runners, but it's amazing how many triathletes and even AFL uh, football crew jump on board and, and listen to the running element of this. So uh, regardless of which of those areas you're in, I, I hope you can glean something out of that. But with this, that being said... My true love is the distance running scene. So this has got a real strong focus on on you distance runners out there, uh, and with a real focus on distance runners. So with that being said, I've got I've got eight things written down which I, I wanted to go over today. I reckon it'll be about a half an hour podcast or so, and uh, and then hopefully, oh, obviously, it's not a one size fits all. There's going to be plenty that I reckon you guys could add to this this list. But hey, eight's a pretty good place to start. So with that being said, let's jump into the first one, and that is running technique. Running technique, it's so often overlooked. I don't know how long you've been in the running scene for. Triathletes seem to have more of an appreciation for running techniques than than just true blood distance runners. And I think the fact for that is uh, in a sport like triathlon, you've you've got swimming, which is 
if you've got a bad technique as a swimmer, you're not going to swim well. You're not going to get through that water easily. And one of my good friends, Brenton Ford, runs a runs a business. He's a swimming coach called Effortless Swimming. And and the idea with with that is to teach people efficient techniques to make sure they're using their energy wisely. And I think um, maybe to a lesser degree, the cyclist. Maybe maybe not to a lesser degree. I, I guess it depends on the the cyclist that you're speaking to. But cycling has a, a really big focus on technique as well. So in triathlon, the the first two out of three legs have a, a fairly strong focus on the uh, on the technical element, and then you get to a run. So uh, what I find interesting in the distance running scene, I started running back in two thousand, the year two thousand, and my technique was awful. My technique was absolutely awful. You you watch me run, and whenever I got tired, my shoulders would be up around my neck and. My upper body would be swaying all over the shop, and I, I just thought it was the way that it was. I, I never really had a coach who focused or cared too much on the technical side of running, and it wasn't until I, I moved back to Victoria in two thousand and uh, at the end of two thousand and one that my first running coach, Joe Carmody, was was just obsessed with running technique, and he said, "Well, yeah, you have a look down at, at the the best athletes, regardless of the distance." And one thing that you notice is, uh, regard, uh, sorry, uh, mind, what, what am I trying to say? Despite a few people who fit outside this mold, it's almost universal that the technical element of running performance is, is super smooth. So uh, like Usain Bolt, you have a look at him, and one of the first things that people say is, okay, he's incredibly talented, but you see the way he moves, and it's just, it looks effortless. There's something about his rhythm, there's something about his movement which which, which just looks really easy. Uh, the same is true, David Rudisha for the 800 metres, the 800 metre world record holder, he's one of the smoothest runners you'll ever see. If you haven't watched him before, make sure you jump over to Google, have a look at the way that he runs. It, it's relaxing to watch him. Another another guy that we love to see is, is Hisham Al-Garouj, he was a 1500 metre, or he is the 1500 metre world record holder, he hasn't been around for a little while now. He's the uh, the Athens Olympic gold medalist over 1505k. Perhaps I put him up there with the with the smooth movers like uh, Hisham Al Garouj. Uh, sorry, with with David Rudisha and Usain Bolt. But then we we even go further uh, beyond that. You look at the likes of Kenanisha Bekele and uh, an even more prominent name at the moment, Elliot Kipchoge. And there's elements in these guys that a lot of us can't put our fingers on. We go, okay, they they look fantastic. But what is it about them that we like so much? What is it they're doing so well that we uh, that we can take away from that? Now, the good news is uh, technique is not something which is just natural. Though, though it is natural, that natural movement comes even more naturally to some than others. But just like learning to touch type or, or learning to do any skill, running technique can be taught. There's, there's ways that you can look at the mistakes that you're making. There's common mistakes that athletes make and that people make when they're under stress and under fatigue. But then there's also uh, anatomy kind of, not mistakes, but just the anatomical way that we run is is different based on who we are, based on the way that we're built. And as a result, it can tend to lead us towards, uh, you know, either a smoother running technique or, or, or an, a less effective running technique when we're, when we're under stress or even sometimes when we're not under stress, we just haven't learned how to handle it properly. So if you've never spent too much time looking at running technique, that's one area that I'm quite passionate about, that members across the, the AFL membership, the soccer membership, and those athletes that I coach who, who want it, uh, often send through technique videos. So simply sending through a, a front-on video of them running at different paces, 
a side on video running at different paces and then obviously when you're face to face it's uh it's easy to see as well but if you haven't invested in that if you haven't spent any time looking at the way that you can smooth out your running technique uh, shoot me a message if you want to find out whether or not yeah, what I'm what I'm offering the technique analysis point of view is is helpful to you shoot me a message shoot a few questions through and we'll uh, we'll have a chat about how it might how it might be beneficial to you um, the the reason this is important to me is obviously as I said when I first started running technically people looked at me and they're like Tice that's that's horrible and then I I got over to my running coach in Victoria at the time Joe Carmody and uh, he saw me run once. He's like, "All right, like you've you've got a project." But but more than that, he broke down a, a number of fundamental elements that I was sort of failing on as an individual. And then just through years of him walking me through uh, it, who he considers elite runners, and then speaking to to some of the best exercise physiologists around Australia, like Dr. John Quinn, who's been on the podcast four times. Um, I've really invested in just developing an understanding about what makes a smooth mover smooth. So uh, I was able to apply it to my own running, and as a result, I've been able to apply it to a number number of athletes who have taken that step. So really encourage you to consider that. You don't have to look too far to see how beneficial it is for, for distance runners at the elite level. Every, I, I would challenge you to find me a distance runner who is is technically super ugly when they run. Uh, I, I just There's not many. There's a couple Michael Johnson didn't look that pretty, but he was efficient. You know what I mean? You can't knock a world record holder. But in terms of prettiness, I would say that 90% of the world records are held by people who you watch and go, oof, what are they doing? What are they doing? So, um, yeah, one to consider. The, the second thing that I wanted to talk about is developing an understanding of what your distance is. So just like an elite distance runner, they, they might be good at a couple of different distances. Like you look at a bloke like Craig Mottram, he ran 12.55 for 5K. He ran, uh, what was it, 7.32, I want to say, for, for 3K. Um, he ran a really quick mile. I, I think there's a particular distance that, that when you boil it down is your best distance. So David Rudisha, for example, the world 800-meter record holder, Hey, he's pretty, he's pretty bloody fast over 400, and I bet he could run a mean 1500, but the real focus for him was, was uh, the, the 800 meters. Same is true for, for Hisham Al-Garouj. He's, he, it's a crazy example, because he ran 723 for, for 3,000 meters, and he would have run 144, I'm sure, for 1500, but he's the world record holder of a 1500 meters, and he was, he was most widely known as a 1500 meter miler. So, I think we've got to have a look at where our skills and our talents meet uh, meet our abilities. So where our skills and talents meet our... Uh, did that make sense? We want to look at what's going to give us the best chance for, 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 uh, for performing at a higher level. So maybe you're an 800-meter runner with yeah, a little bit of endurance. Or maybe you're a 10,000-meter runner who's pretty good over 5K. I'm not saying you can't touch the other events. I'm just saying when we're training, I think it's important to know what our best event is. Is. And you might ask the question, why is that? And and maybe it's something that you, you don't necessarily feel as important to you. But what I think is it, it really helps our training be a lot easier when we know the one event that we're going for. So if you're going to be a marathon runner, well, it's it comes with the territory that, okay, well, while I'm training for this marathon, I understand that I'm not going to be the best 800 meter runner in the world because the training is is so different. The training hits two different sim, uh, systems in a, in a lot of ways. So if you haven't spent any time trying to understand, all right, like what skill level are you at over various distances, 
maybe do a little bit of a brainstorm. Now, I'm not saying you, sh you can't use other distances as a way to prepare. In fact, um, one of the guys I'm working with at the moment is is training for, for a marathon later in the year. And uh, as a result, we're, we're using half marathons and hopefully a couple of 10K races to get him prepared for that. Because I think speed's an important factor in, in training for a marathon. But we understand that our overall goal is that marathon. So if he's half isn't exactly uh, you know where he thinks it might be or his 10 isn't exactly where he thinks it could be it's okay because they're all stepping stones towards that ultimate goal so it just makes planning for your training a lot easier when you know okay well this is what i'm going for these other ones are helpful steps along the way but um if if they're not as good as i thought they might have been classic example is is myself i always felt like for 1500 i i needed to do some shorter sharper running uh, which meant that as a result, I probably wasn't as crisp over 10K as, as what I could have been if I was targeting that event more specifically. But but to break 350 for a 1500 meters at the time was, you know, it was it was definitely, uh, it was highly likely when I stepped onto the track that that was going to happen because my training had been tailored towards that. So still used other, uh, other distances around it to be able to not only break up the training, give me something else to target, but, but it also, it, it just helped my training be rock solid. The third thing that I think uh, anyone who's listened to this podcast and you've paid any attention to the name of what it is that this business is called, Relaxed Running, you'd be you'd be potentially sick of hearing me speak about this, but I don't think we can say it enough because it's something that, that we often ignore, and, and that's just having a relaxed approach to the sport. Now, obviously, some people are more naturally relaxed. Some people are more naturally uptight. Uh, some people have got to develop that ability to be able to just let go of stress. And it's a popular topic at the moment, whether it's through meditation or whether it's just through getting out in nature or finding out something that helps you switch off and feel good is really beneficial. And I, I bring this up as well because I think uh, one of the standout factors that I really admire about top athletes, Usain Bolt's a classic example of this, is that they're, they're so incredibly relaxed. Now, I'm not saying they don't feel the pressure of the situation because uh, if you're Usain Bolt and you're lining up to, to race 100 metres at the Olympics, obviously there's a lot of stress there, especially when you're the favourite for the race, you're the world record holder. But have a look at the guy five minutes before the race starts. He's having a, he, he looks so free. He looks so relaxed. He's moving so naturally. His heart rate seems relatively low. He's He's enjoying himself. Now, I'm not saying that we all need to start dancing on the start line of the 1,500 metres, but what I am saying is that it would be helpful for you to use that energy effectively. So have you spent any time looking into ways that you can actually develop a more relaxed demeanor going into a race, into a training session, or even more broadly, just throughout your day-to-day -day life? Stu McSwain's a classic example of this. He's got a reputation at Melbourne Track Club of, of just being a super relaxed guy. And, and coincidentally, he's obviously very talented as well. But that relaxation, I think, just goes into allowing you to, to tap into a higher level of performance. So um, Elliot Kipchoge fits into this as well. Uh, I mean, there's a number of athletes. Jess Trengove over the marathon has got a reputation for being incredibly consistent over the distance. And, and he's one of the most uh, yeah, disciplined, determined, focused athletes you'll ever see but also one of the most relaxed athletes on the start line of a race. And I don't think it's a coincidence. So, And, and it goes a, a bigger and broader than just the distance running scene. I finished listening to a uh, an autobiography. I, I first listened to Hicks and Gracie, who is, uh, his dad was the creator of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And he speaks about his approach but before a fight. It was the same element. He had a big focus on making sure that heart rate was being used really effectively. So when he went into battle his energy was at a higher level than his athlete, uh, the competitor, the fighter that he was versing. 
who might have got a little bit flustered and run short of breath. George St. Pierre, I'm reading his autobiography at the moment. It's the same story. There's a really big focus, and I don't think it's a coincidence that there is such a big focus on this element of performance, and that is just learning to relax. So spend a little bit of time, if you haven't read about it, yeah, looking at what relaxes you, maybe being out in nature, maybe painting, uh, maybe being at the ocean, maybe going for a run is the relaxation. And then look at ways to deal with stress. I like to practice in stressful situations throughout my day so that when it comes to a time that I'm really passionate about doing well, it, it feels more natural to me. So I might have an event come up which I, I feel relatively stressed and I, I like learning to to separate the emotional attachment I put to that situation. And man, just ask my wife. It's a it's a roller coaster of a journey. But I just think just having the awareness of the the power that comes with those little practices is important. So if you haven't considered that, uh, would would really would really encourage you to do it. The the fourth thing that I think it, it, it sort of goes hand in hand with what I just said. But but I, I wrote it down as a separate note because I feel as though it's. Um, I just I feel as though how do you put it? It sort of just ties hand in hand with that, and and that's embracing the highs and the lows that come with the sport. Now, I've one of the most common questions that I get is is people shooting me a message and just saying that they're struggling with motivation because you know they're putting in the training and they're just not seeing the results. And there's a variety of factors. I'm not saying just ignore the fact that you might be in a lull or your body might be tired because that's important feedback, obviously improvement comes through recognizing the areas that you're, you're failing at or you're not doing as well at uh, as well as you should be at and and making little adaptions adaptations and making changes to that but but I think just separating yourself emotionally from from the roller coasters that come with performance on a daily basis I know for me if I ever go out running with with Strava or I go out running with a Garmin a lot of the time I can still get caught up I'm 35 now I've been in the sport for for 22 or 23 years. I can still get caught up going, oh man, I'm running, you know, for me, five minute pace is, is okay. Like if I'm around about five minute pace for a for a 10K run, that's usually pretty good. But every now and then I'll go out and and you know what it's like. You'll just hit a sweet spot and for whatever for whatever reason, for me on that day, 4.30 feels as easy as what five minute pace does. And, and that gets me excited. I'm not even training for any big race at the moment, but just as a, uh, as a bloke who enjoys running and is passionate about performance, I love that. I love getting home and being like, "Oh my gosh!" Like I just ran, I just ran that ten k in close to forty minutes, and I, I felt like I was jogging. But then the flip side of that is, some days I'll go out and for whatever reason I feel like I'm running at five minute pace. I look at my watch, I'm running five twenties, and I go, "Okay, this is a this is a more difficult day. This is just a day for uh, getting the k's in the bank, and uh, and it's just part of the territory now." I've learned in a big way just to just to let that be what it is for whatever reason. Maybe there's stress or maybe there's tiredness. Maybe there's fatigue. Maybe I've been sick or I'm, I'm getting sick and haven't quite realized it yet. But there's reasons that your body goes through, uh, you know, different pace levels and different skill levels and you produce different results. So find out what that is, but also embrace the fact that it's just a part of the running experience. It doesn't matter what level you're at. Every elite distance runner understands that for whatever reason, hey, we go through our highs and lows, and that's an important factor. Now, I've, I've had the, the blessing of being in this sport for long enough now to, to know some of the best middle distance runners in the world. They're not exempt from this either, and that's why I raise it, because a lot of people go, oh, I'm obviously not fit, or my training's not working, or you know, I'm just not cut out for this. No, no. No, you, you, you are cut out for this. You, this is a sport that you can improve at just as much as an elite uh, level athlete 
can improve at. Oh, sorry, this is an area of our running, I should say, that you can improve at as much as an elite level athlete can improve at. So, so I think when you just learn to accept the fact that these highs and lows are a part of the sport, it takes the stress and the frustration away from that. Uh, I think that's a really powerful thing. So uh, make sure if you're if you're a little bit emotional in these situations. Last night, I was I was comparing comedians. I went down to the city, and uh, as those of you who have been around for a while know, I, I do a fair bit of stand up comedy. It's one of my big passions. And some people they'll get up on stage and they'll bomb and. And it's interesting to watch the way they they uh, change based on how their performance works. Some of them get down after a bomb and they're like, oh my gosh, I can't do this again. But then they, they'll strut around like they're the kings if they have a good set the following night. I, I say be a little bit more neutral with your approach. Just accept that they're both going to happen. Get feedback from whatever it is that you're in and, and play on. The next one, uh, number five, I've got a few more to go, is, is get yourself involved in a solid group. Uh, performance just improves when you're in a group of people. And uh, you look at it like a, a Usain Bolt or an Ali Kipchoge. I think Kenyans are a great one to look at like this. I think a lot of us here in the West, uh, maybe it's just because of, of where we are and the not lack of interest, but I think the sheer number of people in Australia per capita who are distance runners versus a place like Kenya is, is probably not there. But but I, I think an important factor and one thing that I really loved and, and admire about top athletes all around the world is they're a part of a crew. Uh, I remember when I was 19, I was trying to break four minutes for 1500 meters, and in my mind, it had become a it had become a really big thing. I'm like, oh my gosh, I really want to break uh, four minutes for 1500 meters. It's really important to me, but it seemed like a bit of an elusive time. And then I started training with Adam Didiku at the time. He'd run 3:49, and uh, he was like, mate, it's not that big a deal. Like. It's, it's fine. You, you'll do it this weekend. And I was like, wait, what are you, what are you talking about? And I, I just think having that expectation or having athletes who are maybe a little bit ahead of where you are or around where you are, it can really push you physically during training to improve, but also mentally. Like the way that Adam spoke to me about breaking four minutes for 1500, I was like, oh, okay. So it's it's not a bigger deal as, as what I made it out to be. Uh, for those of you interested, he was right. It was that weekend I went out and I broke four minutes for 1500 for the for the first time. I knew I was in pretty good shape for where I was, but, but psychologically, it was nice to have him in my ear just encouraging me like that. So if you haven't got a coach, if you haven't got a group, consider getting on board. I'm coaching a, a whole range of athletes from a number of sports uh, with a particular a particular focus on a number of uh, middle distance or long distance runners that I'm working with. Uh, I'm, I'm more than happy to work with you. If you're, if you're a student, I'm happy to talk to you about how it is we can make it work. If you're an international, I'm happy to talk to you about how we can make it work. But the truth is, you don't need to be in Australia to, to have a coach. As, as long as you have someone to be able to see your training, to be able to monitor the training, and, and to be able to just communicate with, I'm fairly loose. I'll leave the, uh, the the conversation part in the hands of a lot of athletes. I'll touch base with them once a week uh, unless, they've, unless they've specifically asked me for a little bit more. But I just think that relationship between coach and athlete and group is is really important because it can, I mean, it can it can highlight your attention to areas that you can improve. And I just think having that outside voice is, is really helpful. So if you're interested in getting a little bit of coaching, uh, jump over to Relax Running, shoot me a message. As I said before, uh, I'd be more than happy to work with you regardless of what skill level you're at uh, the other thing is uh, these athletes all have hobbies outside of running don't just become obsessed with running to the degree that it's your whole life because 
then it makes a number of the other factors quite difficult. Like the idea of not being emotionally connected to a sport that is your whole life is much more difficult than being emotionally connected to a sport when you've got interests outside of it. So um, I don't know. This is this is not something I can answer for you. But for me, for example, I like I like going out into nature. I like going out for a surf. Uh, I like going out and getting a coffee. I like going to do my stand up comedy. Uh, obviously there's a, a limit as to how much you can do when you're trying to get recovery and especially if you're an elite athlete uh, but even for even for someone who's a community level runner like if you're working and you're running and that's the whole your life that's your whole life I mean it's it, it's good when it's going well but it's tough when it's not so if you can find out something that can just take your mind away from those things maybe it's photography or drawing or painting or hiking or whatever um, you know spend a little bit of time brainstorming that because I think it's an incredibly powerful thing to to be able to, to focus. Uh, at the risk of sort of repeating a, another one that I, I mentioned a moment ago, th- that is things just never go perfectly. Now, what I, what I meant by this was Rob DeCastella, he used to have a quote. I can't remember exactly how it goes, but he would say that a lot of people get to race day and they get nervous because it hasn't been the perfect lead up or they, they don't feel perfect or they feel like they might have a niggle. And he goes, he, he's never been to a race lineup, the start line of a race where everything has just clicked. Uh, don't don't fall into the illusion that everything has to click into place 100% every time you hit the training track or every time you hit the racetrack because it's just it's unrealistic it's not going to happen uh, it's important to be able to just recognize that this is a physical sport there's going to be niggles um, there's going to be factors in your own life that that cause highs and lows in the sport so embrace that things uh, are never perfect regardless of of what level you run at i think when you can learn to accept that it makes the fact that things aren't going perfectly so much easier to deal with. The lucky last one, which ties in beautifully and serves as an exclamation mark to all of these points is uh, consistency is our key. Running has a reputation for rewarding the consistent. Have a look at anyone who's achieving anything in the running scene. Show me someone who's been doing it for six months only. I challenge you to find me someone that's only been doing it for six months. At at an Olympic level, I'm going to say you're not going to find one. At a national level, I'm going to say you're not going to find one. Uh, Consistency is our key. Pay attention to how your body's feeling. Rock up daily. Accept the fact that there's highs and lows. And it's it's the same for all of us, regardless of what level that you're at. Um, If you can can keep showing up, where you're going to be in two years or three years is going to be radically different to where you are right now. Uh, don't get caught up on the the one month vision where you go, all right, I'm just going to do everything I can for a month and just see what happens because you'll you'll just break down. (laughs) You'll just break down Um, or at least plateau. Our goal is not for you to plateau in a month. Our goal is for you to to start running some PBs and and take your whole running experience to a brand new level, both on an enjoyment level and on a a time level, on the times that you're running. So um, guys, there are a few tips for you. I think it's, uh, it's quite easy to see that these are a big part of any elite athlete's skill set. So uh, a bit of food for thought, essentially. But thanks for those of you who have been leaving reviews on the podcast as well. Really means a lot. Helps the podcast reach more people. If you haven't, if you've been around for a while, jump onto uh, Apple Podcasts. Give us a give us an honest review. Uh, as long as it's not brutal. If it's super brutal, just message me so I can improve it. All right? I don't want everyone seeing that that kind of feedback. That's, that's embarrassing. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Um, but if you've got a five-star review up your sleeve, run over and do it now. They're, they're more than welcome. Um, you don't even have to justify that one. Even if it's a bit of a lie, I still appreciate it. 
But uh, guys, I really hope you're enjoying that one. As I said, if you're enjoying these solo podcasts, let me know. Um, if you if you'd prefer more interviews, let me know. The podcast is for you guys. I uh, oh, it's a little bit for me as well. I enjoy both elements of it. So anyway, that's enough from me. Enjoy your weekend, guys. Happy training. Uh, apply some of these to your running and and see how it goes. If you need any help, any questions, any guidance, we're always here to help. So. Uh, Jump over to Relax Running and shoot me a message. But in the meantime, that's enough from me. Big love, and I'll see you all here next week.